0: Hello, your editor Daryl here. As you may remember from last week's episode, Morris has a new puppy. His name is Hudson. He's named after the colonial Marine from Aliens, and he is a very good boy. He is also a puppy, so you may frequently hear tapping or banging noises during the episode because he decided that microphone cables and mic stands were very good things to chew on. Uh, If you'd like more Hudson shenanigans, there's plenty in our Patreon backer-only bonus content episode available tomorrow on
1: patreon.com slash morris. With that warning out of the way, on with the show. Visit Wolfgang von Sprinkletoes Pyrotechnics for all your fireworks and other assorted fire-based entertainment devices. Choose from the world-famous Sprinkletoes Explosive Badger, or from a wide range of rockets, blinkers, flares, mortars, bangers, squibs, comets, candles, shells, sparklers, flashes, bombs, busters, and glow sticks. I heartily recommend that you frequent this establishment as Mr. Von Sprinkletoes owes me money, after a rather large wager involving a garble toad and one of Mrs. Cockle's left-handed knee-breeches. I'd very much like him to pay me back, but his business is not doing well after he accidentally blew up Lord Mucklejoy's privy on New Year's Eve. That stuff gets everywhere.' the tabletop playing we unofficial RPG.
0: Hello, hello, hello and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ aka Morris or Morris aka Russ
2: and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Restless a complete pleasure to be here. Um, yeah. So EN World has been
0: down since last Thursday because we're doing yeah. some massive, massive, massive upgrades on it. Yes. Completely upgrading the um, message board system.
2: Well, oh, yes, yeah, so you've you basically got a, a large forum as part. Not, it's not just a website. It's also a forum for people to discuss things.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, so we're for those that know what this means, I imagine a lot of people won't, but yeah. we're going from V Bulletin to yes. Zenforo. So the vBulletin software we're using is well over a decade old. Yes, no longer gets updates. No, it's not supported by the manufacturers. It's archaic. Yes. Uh, Whereas Zen 4.0 is a much more modern iteration (laughs) of forum software. Yeah. So as as of this moment now, it's basically the import is done and it's basically working. Yes. But now it just needs a whole lot of housekeeping on the new site just to tidy it up and tweak things and reformat things and make sure everything's looking good. Yeah, so well, you
2: know, it's hey, you're you're basically uh, sort of refurbishing and um, like sprucing up the looks of Ian World. To yeah, like the, house,
0: a, the house has been built, yes. and we're now just doing the interior decorating.
2: Yeah, marvelous. Oh, you all right.
0: know, all the data's imported; it's all there. Everything's
2: you know so you mean, functional. So you've got like over what twenty years of archive?
0: Yeah, basically.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of role playing discussion.
0: Yeah, that's why the import takes so long. It takes yeah. days to do.
2: Ah, I see. Yes, of course. I suppose at this point, we should probably I don't know do something. RPG related.
0: It is an RPG podcast.
2: I know. But it seems like such a such a fad. Almost like you? we'd be repeating ourselves.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Should I tell you some news? How about that? Oh God! How on, would man. you like that?
2: Yes, I I'm sitting comfortably. I have a nice drink and I have a dog to a uh, small puppy to rabbits to so, me. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay then. Well, Gen Con. Yes, Gen Con. little like shindig.
2: Yes, that was. Um, that, 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 well, that's not that's not news. That was like last week. Somewhat
0: unsurprisingly, yes. Gen Con has reported growth, as every other every convention seems to do these days. Well, That's good news. twelve so percent growth, seventy thousand unique visitors.
2: Twelve yeah. percent,
0: goodness. I mean, they're all reporting this
2: at the moment. Is re- where where are all these new people coming from? Um, it's Awesome. It's the general population.
0: I think there's a factory out in. In Ohio, in America. Oh, yes, yeah, And they, they manufacture gamers.
2: I see, yes.
0: That is a thing. That is definitely true.
2: Right, okay, well... Um, and you can't prove it's not. No, fair enough. I'll just have to start instituting a check on the necks of all people... Coming to my role playing game club and look for made in the USA signs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, um, I mean, yeah. So the ranking at the moment: Jane Cons still in first place. Yeah. Um, Essen Spiel second place. Mm-hmm. UK Games Expo third place. Okay. And Origins fourth place. Ooh, nice. And okay. that's pretty much been consistent for the last two years now. That that order.
2: Yes. So uh, those are the major major events in the geek calendar as far as we make out, and yeah. All growing year on year. Yeah. Hey, we've got this map of Avernus.
0: Oh. So this map of Avernus. Yes. Here it is. Um, I can't actually click through to it because EN World is closed at the moment. Okay, yes. Um, due to upgrades. So this is, this is the thumbnail, which I've just enlarged as large as I can. can... I,
2: I suppose that's technically news for quarter million people. Um, yeah, okay. I t- which I t- I which that is that you're, uh, you're upgrading to a new forum. But yes, uh, Avernus. Okay, so we've got like a big... Yeah, so we've got the River
0: Styx running through the middle of it. I think yes. that's what that is, and then we've got various locations. So, mm. for what I've read, what yes. happened was rather than them giving the cartographer instructions on what to put on it, yes. the cartographer came up with all these different things, like this little, you know, little flamey like thing here and down there, and then they came in afterwards and named them all, and um, you know, yes. decided right, what what is this spiky hill, you know, sort of thing, yeah. and uh,
2: uh,
0: and made it up based sort of that way around. So it's kind of cool. It's, uh, it's an interesting art style there. Yes.
2: And apparently, um, It's quite a um, sort of medieval period, but also with a touch of a Hieronymus Bosch in there. Yeah, but also,
0: well, also yeah. they said um, time and distance don't work. So of course. Just because two things look like they're next to each other doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that they are. Mm-mm-mm. And that the cartographer who did this uh, when attempting to map Avernus lost his mind. Yeah, makes the, sense. The fictional cartographer in the game as opposed to the real cartographer who voices the coast higher <laughs>
2: Well, we hope not. Uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> that would be unfortunate. <laughs> that would be unfortunate. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. Uh, so, so, so it's more of a it's more of a things you can see in a verse. Yes, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, uh, that's that. All doubtless be released has um, um, a pullout map with some perforations. In my experience of was of the Coast stuff. Possibly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, Just so you can have a look at it. And it um, can... Hey, Will Wheaton.
0: Yes. I'm not calling you Will Wheaton. I'm not Will Wheaton. No, no, you are definitely not. You. I can tell you're not Will Wheaton. Can yes. I ta- do you know how I can tell you're not Will Wheaton? Because I'm on this podcast. Bang. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we'll just we'll just go with that actually. <laughs> Fair yeah.
2: Enough. People yeah, who, so, who won't be seen on this podcast Will Wheaton.
0: Yes, yeah, so I'm pretty sure he would not want to be on our podcast. Before. Oh he might. He's more than welcome to, but um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway if, if
2: you're listening Will Wheaton and we're sure you are the odds. You're very you're, the odds to come the, on,
0: the on, on him listening are slim to none.
2: Oh I you never know. Um he might just be bored at work. Ooh, like, anyway,
0: he is suing Geek and Sundry.
2: Yes, yes. Uh what's it? Uh lost not, not lost wages, but he's like once royalties or something, doesn't he? Yeah,
0: so Titan's Grave, the ashes of Valcana or Valcana, or Valkana. Yep. Yeah, one of those three things. Yeah, um, was a web series he made yeah. with Geek and Sundry. Oh yeah, that's right. and it later became a RPG um, fantasy age, I think, powered campaign setting. Oh okay, um, yes. through Green Ronin. Yes, which is which is the role playing connection there. Yes, it, uh, it was it was an actual play web show. Yes, yeah, it was quite it was quite narrative and. Yeah. Um, it was just like the one season. I can't remember how many, like eight episodes or something, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Not
2: a huge amount of material, yeah. then.
0: Um, so this is season one. Uh, but he's suing Geek and Sundry over apparently, well, he's suing them for $100,000. Wow, okay. In, uh, in LA. Yes. Over they're not letting him audit their books. And um, he's, he's got a sort of a percentage, 50% of the net profits uh-huh. he's supposed to be receiving. And he says he hasn't been receiving that.
2: I see. So they're not letting him check how much money he be owed. Yeah, well,
0: he's also asked for a court order for an audit of the book, so he can, uh, so he can do that.
2: Yeah, yes. I mean, I'm sure he'd be very disappointed if he was not receiving any money because there was no money to be had. Mm. Well, from what I
0: can make out, you've got 50 grand
2: up front, yeah. I think.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, on top of that, he was supposed to get 50% of the net profits, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And and it's the latter part. And also, they made some decisions without consulting him. And in the contract, he was supposed to be consulted. Because I think they, um, you know, when, um, I think it was when something like Legendary Entertainment bought Geek & Sundry. Yeah. They started making some distribution decisions and stuff like that without consulting with him.
2: Which he's contractually obliged to be consulted Mm -hmm. on. Well, well, to be fair, I mean, that does sound like reasonable things to sue people over. Because if you don't assert your... Contractual rights, then, um, yeah. Yeah. What's the point in having them? Yeah. yeah. Okay, but I mean, it's obviously not like the best thing. I can hope, we can only hope they manage to resolve it all amicably.
0: Hopefully. Yeah, we shall see it. Yes. do you like Mad Max? Oh,
2: um, yeah, I, I think it's fair to say I've uh, been to the Thunderdome. Um, I definitely very much enjoy Fury Road. It's one of my exemplars of story, of pacing in storytelling. Mm-hmm.
0: So you're a fan, you would say, of post-apocalyptic vehicular mayhem. Uh, mm-hmm.
2: Yes, yes, I, I think that would be a reasonable thing to say. Yeah, I must enjoy a good car crash as much as the next person.
0: Because there's a game called Devil's Run coming. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And yeah. there's a quick start available. Now, guess who's producing this game called Devil's Run? Ooh,
2: uh, it's a company
0: that produces very few products.
2: Uh, very few products
0: or all the products one of those two things ah so Modiphius
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is by Modiphius oh yes. excellent excellent and, ha- and how did you find this out? was this uh, their uh, uh, one o'clock a- p- press release yes <laughs> it was a press release yes. um, but the one o'clock one not the twelve o'clock one <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh. so yeah this
0: is uh, called Devil's Run and there's three quick start rules for the RPG okay and they describe it as post-apocalyptic vehicular mayhem Yep. And uh, let me call it up and you can have a look at some of the lovely art because I, like, I do like the art for this. So yeah. look. so it's set in America.
2: Oh, that is... Uh, you've got the, sort of your basic dust storm and then... My was is it? frozen. Ooh. And then you have
0: the I bikes guess. racing away from it. And then we've got a Fast and Furious-style tanker robbery
2: going on down there. Ah, you know we are a good tanker.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, it goes, The Devils run a role-playing game. Yeah, thrusts you
2: yes. full
0: throttle yep. into a post-apocalyptic world <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> of motorised mayhem and carnage. Yeah, uh, it's powered by two D twenty. Oh yes, yeah. And Savage Worlds suede. What suede?
2: Uh, Savage Worlds Adventure Edition.
0: Okay, uh, and they, they, yeah, so they they fuel the carnage in a setting based on the popular board game of the same name.
2: Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, that does sound uh, interesting. Sounds fun, especially two.
0: Mad Max with the uh, sewer. Oh, modes. so
2: there's two D twenty, and there's also a Savage Worlds edition. Yeah, oh, okay. That that makes sense. Yes.
0: I am led to believe that
2: is the case. Yeah. Well, it sounds uh, sounds pretty good. Mm. What do you think of people playing D and D in prison? Um, I think it's a good way to encourage lots of uh socialisation. Hmm. But I didn't think they were allowed to because they weren't allowed to have um proper dice or anything like that.
0: Um, I don't know how it is over here. Yes. No idea. But in America, it varies from state to state, apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so this there's, there's a documentary uh-huh. up on Kickstarter, yeah. and it's called Let's Play, the story of Dungeons & Dragons in prison.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And uh, it tells the little-known stories of inmates and former inmates, um, and they go to great lengths to play um, tabletop role-playing games like D&D. Like they handcraft um, D20s and... From soap and oh, cardboard and all sorts of stuff, yep. and they, you know, they, you know, they have to improvise a lot. Yes, a lot so I,
2: I imagine there'll be a lot of improvisation. Yeah,
0: yeah. So this is on Kickstarter. Fortunately, Kickstarter doesn't look like it's doing all that well. Oh, that's
2: a shame. Um, let's I, have a look. It sounds like a really interesting sociological take on things, and um, just finding out how people can um, get a hobby that is uh, vaguely normal. Yeah. Well, so it's,
0: a, it's a sixty thousand dollar goal. Okay. So fifty six hours to go. Right. And it's made $31,496. So it's only halfway there yes. With two days left.
2: Ooh, not the best of news. So well. by the time
0: people hear this, it will probably be very, very close to over. Yes. And um, I hope they make it. Yeah, I mean, what are what's the, what's the rewards like for the Kickstarter? Let's have a look. The rewards. Um, you get a digital copy of the documentary for $25. Okay, sounds good. Um, you, for forty dollars, you'll get your name on the on the um documentary. Yeah, on the credits, I guess. Uh, Fifty dollars, a DVD copy of it.
2: Oh, okay, yeah.
0: Uh, for seventy-five dollars, um, this is interesting because it's not so much of a reward you get. Yes, they will donate gaming materials to a prison inmate. Oh, that's quite sweet. I think that's quite cool. Yeah. And for a hundred dollars, a gaming module designed by inmates. Mm-hmm. It will be written and
2: drawn behind bars. Okay, uh, that's hmm. okay. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure I on that. That seems like a bit, uh, a bit, a bit odd. Bit. But okay. But yes. Hmm. Well, right, I but, think
0: but, people having creative outlets in prisons probably a good. I, I don't know, I'm not an expert on criminology or prisons or anything like yeah, that, but, but I suspect it's a good thing.
2: Some rehabilitation is definitely worthwhile. Hmm. Oh, right.
0: um, Would you like to see the One Ring collector's edition? All oh, gone then. It's very nice. I've played. I've, I haven't played the One Ring, although I have yes. the One Ring. Yes. But I have played Adventures in Middle Earth. Yes. Which is the D and D fifth edition version of it. Okay. What did you think of that?
2: Um,
0: I think probably I should have played the One Ring. <laughs> I, I suspect that the One Ring does Tolkien better than D and D does. D and D does D and D really well.
2: D and D does do D and D very well.
0: Adventures in Middle Earth was great. Yeah. I just. I just feel like. what I just felt, when I was playing it, I just kept feeling, you know, I probably should have been playing The One Ring because it was designed from the ground up specifically to to do that that whole Tolkien kind of feel.
2: Yeah, I mean, can you really... I mean, is The One Ring, is that basically meant to let you play through Lord of the Rings? No, not that
0: story, but in in that world. Oh. But you know, like, um, Tolkien's stories are very, very journey-oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. One Ring has massive support for long overland wilderness journeys. Yes, that being not the way you get to the adventure, but that in a Tolkien story often being the
2: adventure. That is something I'm 100 long side. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, um, the One Ring, um, they developed you know lots and lots of support for that. They mm-hmm. translated that over to D and D fifth edition, and it works pretty well there too. Okay. So, if you wanted to just crib some journey rules, oh yeah, um, that'd be good. Uh, it might be worth taking a look at um, Adventures in Middle-Earth. Okay, yeah. But anyway, back to the one Ring collector's edition, this is what the cover looks like. It's like this sort of dark greenish cover with this sort of yeah. ring of what looks like elven script in the middle, just in a circle. Yeah,
2: so it's like a... It's very,
0: very minimalist.
2: Yeah, very, very... Um, almost black, and then on the borders as well you have more... Uh, sort of like silvery slash ivory elven decoration and embroidery.
0: That noise in the background, by the way, is Hudson, not us. Yeah, we'd just like <laughs> in, case, to say... in case the listeners are wondering. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it says uh, so it has a slipcase which is yes. adorned with the map of Middle Earth. Yep. Yeah. And um, then the cover itself is bound in leather, mm-hmm. emblazoned with the One Ring script, which is um, picked out in silver foil stamped Tengwar. What's Tengwar
2: is uh, the Elvish script.
0: Okay. And the back cover features the translated poem, also in the Silver Foil stamp, which is the whole, you know, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them,
2: one ring to bring them all, and... In the darkness behind them. Yes.
0: And the back, is, again, is really minimalist. It's just, just that on the back.
2: Yeah. Yes. It's, that's it's it, really nice. It's pretty much going for a very light look to it. Oh, and there's some beautiful art in there. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. It's, Definitely leaning into the... Uh, Lord of the Rings collector's edition illustrated version.
0: I mean, we've seen the cover of the standard edition before, haven't we? Yes. Which is gorgeous. Um, This is, of course, the One Ring second edition,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. which is now, the full title now has the Lord of the Rings in it, which it didn't have before. That's true. Before it was just called the One Ring.
2: That is true. And now
0: it's called the One Ring, the Lord of the Rings role-playing game.
2: Okay, that's quite interesting. So people
0: have like a just in case people didn't quite get it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> They're the, like, the one ring,
2: what's that got through that thing? I wonder no. if there was
0: a licensing reason, or I don't know. Yes, yeah. it uh, might It
2: might well be a licensing thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Jason Borman. Oh,
0: yeah, do you okay. remember the Pathfinder 2E character sheet, which we said looked a bit like a tax form? We said it was a tax form that looked a bit like a character sheet. Right, <laughs> yeah, <okay>. fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so Jason Borman decided to have a crack at making a minimalist Version of the character sheet. Oh, yeah. yeah. He posted this on Twitter. Yeah. And here it is. This is what he came up with. Oh, okay. There you go.
2: It's got a certain handwritten charm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's obviously sort of done by hand.
2: Yeah. Okay. So
0: it's a lot simpler than the actual big one.
2: Yeah. Uh, But it's. It's still got quite a bit on it. Yeah. That does. Yeah, that actually looks. Quite usable, actually, like so, yeah. Um, 10, proficiency, plus dex, has he allowed for, he's not allowed for level with the AC, it doesn't look like, because, look, he's got, for the AC, it's got 10 plus pro, plus dex, plus item. Does that it have level? Yeah, you add level. Are sure? Pretty sure. Th- Pretty sure. Mm, okay. I, I remember that being quite, that, that's one of the things about it, it's moving away from bounded accuracy, with um 5th edition, and it's just going for Pathfinder's numbers will get big. Mm. But then the rest of the game is supposed to be balanced around that. Yeah.
0: So, so I'm not to stop doing that,
2: because I was going to just echo through the microphone, I
0: bet. Yes. On, on the recording, that's just really loud. Let's yeah, just move you over here. Okay, there you go, right. Oh, yes. Um, that's about it for the news. Oh, okay. That was quick. It was quick. Well, partly because there may actually be more news that I haven't been collecting because the World's been down. So. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I'd normally look
2: at to get the news. So. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, yes, Ian World well, is good for all your RPG-related news related news things so, so I suspect next week
0: yes. our news section might be sort of a bit longer than
2: usual. It might well be. To yeah.
0: catch up on any that I might have missed this week.
2: I, I'm very much looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to the new site being up.
2: Yes. I'm sure it will look extremely fancy. Hmm. I shall have to give it a go. And potentially there could be a UK uh, role-playing game I've put it on
0: there. (gasps) It's currently empty. We will have to see whether or not it gets used. But if it gets used, I'll leave it there. So basically, when EN World comes back, go to the forums. There's a forum called UK Role-Playing. And anyone can post in there, you don't have to be in the UK, but no. I suspect it would be of limited use to people who are not. <laughs> <laughs> and people, you know, they're free to post in there about anything UK role-playing, or even generally it'd tabletop be, gaming related.
2: It'd be really useful to find out about conventions that are happening in the UK, and uh, a good way for people yeah. to advertise new conventions. As well, we're talking around.
0: at the moment, it's utterly empty. There's not even a single uh, thread in there.
2: <laughs> well, oh yeah. The we'll just
0: see if people use it or not.
2: Yeah. Okay, well, now I know it exists, so I can uh, go and have a look. I could be first at something. I ah, could be the first. Oh, wow. wow. Best of times. Would be amazing. Yes. Would you rather... Yes.
0: Either? Yes. Never be able to say yes, hmm. or never be able to say no? Ooh, awkward. And that's not just the word, it's the concept. So you can't reword yes into something else.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, i think i'd rather be unable to say no because my general policy is to embrace new and different things for instance i was at a wedding the other day and they kept saying would you like some more wine and I you you like, said yes yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> but what if they said would you like some cyanide
2: I'd say yes, but I don't have to say the silent. <laughs> I, I could I could I, I would have made sure to save some for you, Russ.
0: <laughs> what if someone said can I have all of your money? Yes, but <laughs> you have to give me all your money in exchange. <laughs> uh so you go you go with the yes but strategy uh, to mitigate it. Yes but and yes and
2: clever. Yes, it's almost yeah. like I'm a GM. Stop, Stop chewing that, Hudson. Oh Hudson, please don't chew the table. No, don't chew the table. Are you just a chewy dog? You're just a chewy boy. You're chew boy, Are you a chew boy. Are you a chew boy? <laughs> yeah it's like wire them up. Get him excited. Yeah. So, Russ, which would you rather never be able to use the word or concept no or never be able to use word or concept yes? Nope. Bad. Nope. Nope. Good boy. Good boy, yeah. I think I'd have to go with you. You'd rather always you'd rather get rid of the concept of no.
0: Yeah, for maintaining that yes but.
2: Hudson? Power. Yeah. That's an exit choice, sorry. Uh, as, as, we're, as long as we're agreeing, that's not cheating. As long as we're agreeing, that's not cheating? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's our game to come back at the rules. Fair enough. <laughs> but, but what if it was cheating? Would you rather than... It's <laughs> more, to more say... difficult.
0: I think probably yeah. he's not being able to say yes is then probably the safer bet. Uh-huh. Otherwise someone could just go and jump off a cliff or something and you've got to do it. Well... I suppose if it's just not being able to say the word, it's yeah. a little different to not. If it's just not being able to say the word, then I'm happy to say, I'm happy to say the word. Yes, as yeah. long as it's not binding.
2: Yeah, it, it, it would make it awkward. Uh, it just depends upon whether um, you then have to follow through on the action. You mm. there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of different things which uh, you have to take into consideration.
0: right, we're going to try out my new realism house rule for D&D. Okay, uh, Bob, it's your turn. Right, I'll swing my axe at the troll. Take that, you green, smelly beast. Right, um, so first, I need to know whether you're going for a high, middle, or low swing, and I'll be counteracting that with the troll's high, middle, or low parry.
2: High, of course. I want to cut his head clean off.
0: Of course you do. So, high cut countered by a middle parry gives you a plus two to your attack roll. Now, what angle are you striking at? Angle? Yeah. Is this a horizontal cut, or are you coming in at a 30-degree angle from above? I need to know the angle of your cut.
2: Ah, uh, well, like 20 degrees?
0: 20 degrees? Are you sure about that?
2: Ah, uh, yes. Should I not be? Well... Bear in mind that the
0: troll is two feet taller than you and standing 1.5 feet to the left of your centre
2: line. And that's... bad, is it?
0: Well, I don't want to tell you what to do, but I'd go for 35 degrees at least.
2: Right... okay, if you say so. 35 degrees it is. Now, I need to know
0: the weight of your axe and your strength score. Pardon? Yeah, it's all about the strength to weight ratio, you see.
2: Mm, well my battle axe weighs four pounds, and my strength is sixteen
0: right so four pounds multiplied by the angular coefficient, add in the wind resistance adjustment, divide by the square root of your strength ah you're uh, you're standing on a slight hillock, are you not if you say so right so that thirty five degree angle needs adjusting as the hillock is nine inches high in total it looks like you have a plus three point eight six five bonus to your damage
2: well. That's nice. So, plus two to hit, and plus 3.865 to damage. I guess that gets rounded up to plus four? No, of course
0: not. I use a very accurate damage system down to three decimal places. Now, that's affected by the slime from the swamp, which makes the troll a little slippery. Slippery? Yeah, slippery.
2: And slippery is a bad thing? Well,
0: that depends on whether you're the hitter or the hittee.
2: Clearly, I'm the hitter.
0: Yes, so it's a bad thing.
2: You could have just said that.
0: I just did. Right, so we have 4mm of slime covering the troll, yep. and this is Swamp Mud, mm-hmm. which, according to this new supplement, Quagmires and Swampland, a tome of Sludge, Slush and Slime, has a 62% slime index. So if I factor that into your damage coefficient, that gives you a final total of plus 2.612 damage.
2: Right, finally. Can I please just roll to attack now.
0: In a minute, first, the troll gets a chance to dodge. Oh, for goodness sake. Look,
2: this detailed combat system is ridiculous. Ridiculously awesome, you mean?
0: Yeah, I know. I think it will revolutionise D&D combat.
2: It will revolutionise something, mate. Ah,
0: Even Darwin and Galileo were mocked in their time.
2: You'll see. Can I please make my attack?
0: Right, right, yes. Off you go, then.
2: Thank you. Okay, I roll 14. On a D20. Yeah... Oh, no,
0: my friend. A d20 is not nearly granular enough for this system. fine. What would you like me to roll? Roll d100, please. 47! 47. That's with your plus two. Versus the Troll's adjusted melee slashing armour class of 61. Ah, that's a miss, mate.
2: Well, I'd stopped caring about 20 minutes ago.
0: Well, now it's the Troll's turn. Now he's slashing with his claws.
2: I can't face this combat system... I'm going to run away instead. Fine.
0: In that case, I'll need your character's inner thigh length, current footwear, and dexterity score while I check the angle of the sun and the pervading weather conditions. Now, would you say you're backing away cautiously, making a dash for it, sidestepping, or just turning your back?
2: And uh, which one would you say will get this game over with quickest?
0: So topic yes. for this week yes is rules you can steal for your game oh fantastic so what I thought this would be would like it'd have to be fairly simple things that you can grab through another game and incorporate into a different system without yeah. major surgery so I'm not sort of mm. like you know the entire combat system from this game <laughs> and stick it in your D&D game because that doesn't yeah. work but yeah. you could sort of say the initiative system from here you could
2: okay, okay. it's not a bad shout not a bad shout alright All right. so uh. Oh, uh, which, which I've got, I've got some ideas already. What, 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 what do you think?
0: Well, should we just like um, alternate then? Yeah, go yeah. On then. Um,
2: oh well, yeah, uh, I think advantage, disadvantage, and the concept of bennies are very worthwhile. Yes. Well, uh, I mean, obviously, they've got many advantages for those who are unaware. Advantage is as I've seen it implemented in a number of different ways, but generally, it's you roll an extra dice of the same kind and then you take the best result. And this advantage, of course, is you take an extra dice and you take the worst result. Mm. It depends on whether you're likely or unlikely to succeed. I think I've seen it in 7th edition Call of Cthulhu, mm. where you roll an extra... Uh, one of the tens percentile dice. Yeah. And whether it's good or bad, that's what you do.
0: That's uh, Famously, remember. it's in D&D 5th edition.
2: Yes, yes. Although uh, Hazash Law would remind us it was also first proposed in 13th Age for the Barbarian to attack. Okay. But 5th edition... Made it general, and what I particularly liked was they used the concept of giving advantage as a way to reward good role playing. Mm. Uh, which,
0: the inspiration mechanic.
2: Precisely. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, well, my, my one, I've yeah. got a list of them here, I want to start with travel montages. Oh, okay, yeah. So a few different games do this, but 13th yep. Age, I think, um, really kind of doubles down on it quite well. That's probably the
2: first place I came across it, yeah.
0: So a travel montage is, um, depending on the implementation you're using, Mm -hmm. basically um, if you've got to get from A to B, rather than the traditional way of rolling random encounters and that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. you sort of go around the table and you ask players to just sort Mm -hmm. of like add to the sort of montage of the story of your journey. Mm-mm. Just to sort of give it a bit of a context and make you feel like you've had a journey by the time we get to the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first player, you might say, to the first player, um, you know. So uh, tell me, tell me something that happens on the journey.
2: Oh yes, a bit like we did with uh, Kevin Corp last week. Uh, uh, choose a complication. So one person chooses the complication for the travel. For instance, there's a bridge with slats missing. Yep. Then another person throws in something like, what was it? I think you said sharks. <laughs> and the third person suggests a way that you uh, overcome this obstacle yeah. or you can actually just role play through doing it but yeah. yeah
0: yeah i think it's a, yeah it's a nice neat little thing and you can just like stick that into a d game really easily or pretty much Thomas. any system really oh. super easy
2: i would probably bring up uh interludes which again are i first encountered using savage worlds mm-hmm. and that is similar but different to a travel montage In that, what happens is uh, when you're having a bit of a downtime period, then you give players the chance to roleplay, which they might not have done otherwise if it's been a particularly hectic or combat-filled situation. Mm. So, the way I've seen that implemented is you have a table which has like a variety of different things, and you draw a card, Mm -hmm. and depending on the suit, it's like is it about you or is it about someone else? Is it your path or like a dream you had or something like that? And then, according to the number it, or the face card, it gives you like a, other things, and you improvise a small story about it mm. that will be relevant to your character. Mm. And then uh, you just basically go around and people tell stories about that, and that's uh, yeah, quite, quite a nice way to spend some time.
0: Mm. Okay, well, my next one is the Escalation Die from ah, yes. 13th Age, <laughs> which I always think is a really, really, really good way of making sure that combat. Approaches a climax rather than fizzles out in a sort of sludge of uh, uh,
2: whittling away at hit points. Oh, ab- absolutely. It, it, it deals, it makes mopping up very quick, but also it means that the first instinct isn't just to go and say, hey, you know what this needs? It needs fireball. Yeah,
0: so you as go, your first round. So the way the es- escalation die works is so at the beginning mm-hmm. of the combat, yep. you put a die down and it has mm-hmm. um, the one facing up. Yep. and each round you turn it so then it's the 2 then it's uh-huh. the 3 and stuff like that and everybody gets those bonuses to their attack rolls well the players yep. do not the monsters yeah, yeah, those bonuses to their attack rolls so as the combat goes on yep. um, you start the combat with the players the PCs sort of on a back foot uh-huh. and as the combat goes on they basically that bonus for them gets higher and higher Mm. So they get more competent rather than less confident as it's the combat goes on. Precisely. And the effect that has is, A, it shortens combat. Yes. B, it makes sure that you don't Nova at the beginning of the combat. What happens is it ends in a climax as you Nova. Know, yes. With your your biggest stuff because you're waiting for the bonus to get bigger.
2: Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: and, um, yeah, and, and C, it totally gets rid of um, what I think D&D 4th Edition was most infamous what, for what, what, was yeah it was probably the worst for it, is that bit where you've run out of all your big stuff and you're chipping yeah. away with your little at will powers a massive bag of hit points for ages
2: yeah and it's not boring. they're not going to win the fight mm. and you're definitely not going to lose but you're still like just basically stuck there rolling dice yeah. for a long time yeah well obviously to implement that into your game you do need to make sure that you um up the monster's defense values Slightly, because mm-hmm. otherwise it will make them a little bit too easy to hit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your next one then?
2: Well, I would have to go probably with miss damage. Okay, damage
0: because, on a miss.
2: I know, it can be controversial. It is a
0: controversial one, there.
2: But I really like it because I think one of the most disheartening things that can happen to a player is you've been in a combat, and due to the luck of the dice, you've had zero effect mm. for the entire game. Yeah, so misdamage, it's just like... It, and it really is very minimal, but... Maybe does, you should just does. be better at D&D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should be better at rolling dice exactly. is the problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a tricky one. Uh, but I quite like it. The way I would import it and say 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons is I would allow for... Um, you do proficiency bonus uh, divided by 2. Mm. And, it's, and then it's pretty minimal. It's tier-related. And it doesn't do a lot, but at least you've done something. Mm, fair enough. Yeah, it's, it's it's just it's just a psychological difference between yeah. that and a complete whiff.
0: Okay, I'm going to go with Countdown Dice, which is from my own game.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fair. I do I do quite like that as well. It's one of my
0: favourite favourite creations. So countdown dice is when you you take a pool of d sixes. Yep. And the larger the pool of d sixes, the longer the countdown is. Yeah. And it's used in situations where you've got like a ticking clock or some kind of countdown, or but you don't know exactly when it's going to take place. Mm. So maybe you're trying to defuse a bomb, yep. or escape from or climb a cliff before it collapses, or you know anything anything that has an undeterminate length of time.
2: Yeah. Or in or getting in games where which I've run, it's like well. I want to see how long it's going to take the Serpent gods of the Night to wake up. Yeah. Let's roll a countdown dice. Yeah. And every time, and for the players, every time it hits initiative count 20, off you go, chaps. Oh, you, you can use it for
0: illnesses. Oh, illnesses yeah. So. counting down draws death. It makes yep. quite a good death-dying rule because you don't know exactly when you're going to die. Mm-hmm. So the way it works is you take your pool of dice. So yep. say what for this particular countdown, is 4d6. Yeah. You roll 4d6. Yeah. Any sixes, you take them out of that pool. Yeah. And then the next time, you roll what's left. So say there mm-hmm. was one 6, you take that out. Mm-hmm. And there's only 3d6 now you're rolling. And you keep doing that mm-hmm. until there's no dice left. And that's when the countdown expires. And that's when the bomb explodes, or the cliff crumbles, or you die, or whatever happens.
2: Yes, something major does happen. Yeah, um, And it's quite hard on your nerves as a GM, because you're not used to being out of control.
0: Okay, yes. what's your next one?
2: Ooh. My next one, following uh, countdowns, which have used to great effect, Um what I really enjoy is the pre-start roleplay of connecting various people together. Okay. And that's something that I just basically yeah, I use that as standard in pretty much any session I'm running, which is where I go around and give them like a little thing like a if I'm doing fifth edition DD, I give them advantage or something. Uh inspiration rather, just so that they've got something to do and just so that they all know each other. And there's a connection between all of them, just because it helps avoid the whole...
0: So, so, so how do you, do you just sort of say, how do you know this character? Or how, yeah. how do you implement
2: it? Why do you know and like this person? Yeah, okay. And that, that's important, because it can... Be, I have seen people say, oh, well, they tried to steal something off me, so now I'm here to kill them all. that's not really the source game no. I want to okay. run.
0: So do you just do it like each character has to know one other character?
2: Yes, and yeah. they're not allowed to know the same character. Yeah. Okay. So they will have to walk around and... Generally, it goes off with the person most confident, says they know someone, and then by the time you've got round to the end, they're able to like discuss mm. it between them. Okay, yeah, that works well.
0: Okay, my next one would be failing forward.
2: Oh, failing forward is amazing. It's yeah. a
0: general concept. It's in loads and loads of games. Mm. But failing forward is um, the, the sort the, of the bounty note. To, you walk up to the dungeon. Yep. There's a locked door. What do <laughs> you do? I tried to pick the lock. I failed. Oh. Or a perception no. check, which yeah. you fail, and then the GM is trying to work out ways to make you still see the thing, because it's oh, information yeah. that the game needs to continue. <laughs> so fail forward, basically, I mean, I, I know you know this, but yeah. um, is you can fail the effect, yeah. the adventure still moves forward, yes. it's just that with a complication.
2: Yeah, yeah that, that's definitely a way it can be done. Other ways I've seen it done is, generally for murder mysteries, like the gumshoe system, mm-hmm. is you get the clue... But the uh, better you succeed on the role, the more context you have added to the clue. Mm. So, that like, you get like little pieces of information that go with it. Yeah. Um, but you have to. But even on a failure, especially on a failure, you work out well if they fail. This is the minimum information they get, which will still yeah. allow the adventure to proceed.
0: One sort of. Uh place where mm-hmm. I've used to fail forward is in the travel rules for my game.
2: Oh yeah. because yeah. basically
0: you never want the PCs to fail to travel to the adventure. <laughs> 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 I mean that kind of defeats the point. So, <laughs> so what? So the fail forward thing is is if you fail, mm-hmm. you still get there, mm-hmm. but you might end up being fatigued when you get there. Absolutely. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Or another thing might be you're trying to pick a lock and sneak into a dungeon mm-hmm. if you fail the check, you still get in but you alert the guards
2: or you set off a trap yeah we didn't something. notice the trap yeah. or something yeah no so a- that's
0: how oh. fail forward basically works
2: yeah, so it's a excellent mechanic and definitely worthwhile including has an approach to a game
0: so what's your next uh, next one
2: um I really like things like uh card draw initiative okay which is basically straight from savage Worlds, but you uh, pass round um you have a deck of playing cards mm-hmm. and you pass them around the table mm-hmm. and whoever's got the highest card aces high uh spades hearts diamonds clubs is the way they go with it i don't know reverse alphabetical but as long as you're consistent it doesn't really matter and then you choose to go that way and every new turn you redeal deal cards mm. uh, and that means that there's not a very predictable very fixed initiative order mm. Which you know can add a certain amount of excitement to the game, and as long as people are paying attention, that does work quite nicely.
0: Well, sticking with initiative, I've got two initiatives on my list. Uh, two, types of initiative. two initiatives. Go on then. So the first one is Pathfinder Two Initiative. Which okay. Yeah. I've been using since the playtest because I really like it, and that's yep. the one where basically instead of just rolling um, like a dexterity plus modifier type yeah, yeah. thing, you roll a skill, and the skill is relevant to what you're doing. Yes. So it might be a perception skill. It might be a stealth skill. It might be a sort of diplomacy skill. Yeah. As long as it makes sense, you can use pretty much any skill for initiative.
2: Uh, that, that 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 does sound like it makes a lot of sense, and um, I think I definitely want to include that. But I sort of uh, that would be more of a home game thing for me because that deviating quite a bit further from rules as written than I normally would. Hmm. Uh, but no, it's a it's a very strong choice. And I definitely like the. Um, advantage it gives to having a wise character and it makes dexterity less of the god stat that it normally is in yeah. most games
0: well the other initiative that i have is what's sort of commonly called popcorn
2: oh yes yes
0: and so i think it was uh, a marvel game and okay. it's uh in gumshoe okay basically uh each player yep once they've had their go yep. they name who the next player is next person yes. to go initiative is and so there's a little bit of tactics to it, because if you just, like, go all your guys first, yes. then you get this whole thing where it's all the
2: monsters. Yes, and then um, they get another second round. Yeah. Because all the monsters choose all the monsters. And then choose like themselves that. again. So right. you know, there's
0: a little bit of tactics going on where you do try and spread it out a little bit. Yes. And it does make for, it, it, it it's quicker to slip into than yes. having to stop and roll an initiative or stop and draw cards or stop and do this. Yes. Um, it's just like the GM goes right you're first there's always a player first isn't it yeah um, he goes right you're first and then you name who goes next I think you
2: roll off to see you? who goes first uh, I'm not sure actually and one of the most important things about that of course is you can't delay you can't hold direction you know you have to then cho- you have to choose what you're doing yeah. at that time
0: Sorry, it's very very simple and elegant
2: yeah no it's quite nice
0: I mean the one thing it doesn't do is none of your stats matter to initiative anymore yes some, I imagine some people won't like so much especially if the type of people that like to invest in
2: uh, well, well, certainly
0: stats that make them a fast character.
2: If I've taken a high initiative fighter and i would taken the alert feat to get my plus five to initiative, and someone pulls that out, I'm yeah. going to be giving you like a distinct amount of squint eye. Yeah, yeah. Unless I get to go first all the time, anyway. Yeah.
0: But if you know so. in advance not to do that.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just one of those things. You have to agree that this is a variation that you're using in advance. Yeah.
0: What's your next one then?
2: Oh, my next one, that would have to be... Ah, I quite like not rolling for damage. Okay. Yeah, nah, it's like I'm expecting the uh, pitchforks and so forth to be uh, coming out after me, but I'm entirely okay with that because uh, I don't actually like rolling for damage. I'd just rather have a static value because it makes the game go faster. It does. And when I want to do a combat or something, there's a lot of like combat lag, I call it, Which is, you've been going, playing a fast-paced game, then a fight happens, and everything just slows to a grinding halt. Mm. And I find that it's like, it's the amount of interactions. It's like, if you can just roll a dice and say, I do this, then you can have more time spent on describing actions. You can have more time spent on doing stuff. But for a lot of people, I know, and sometimes I feel that way myself, rolling a big fistful of dice for damage it's very satisfying. A lot of fun.
0: What you can do is just choose when you roll it. So basically, yeah, if okay. it's a really big fight with crap loads of combatants, yeah. then you could do it that way. Okay, yeah. And if it's just like a small fight and there's just one bad evil guy, uh-huh. it might be more fun to roll the damage for the for the bad evil guy because it's just one Ooh, of
2: them. Ooh, yeah, that makes it. That makes it adds a bit of swing to it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. No, that's a, that's a nice idea. I've generally used it when I'm running D and D because the monsters have like a. Fixed value. Well,
0: they do that anyway in the stat logs. Yeah.
2: yeah. So I'm like, they've got a fixed value. I'm going to use that. I can't. Yeah. I can't. There's, it just removes one more step. Yeah. One more calculation for me.
0: The only thing for that for me is it maybe feels a little predictable at times when you know exactly how much damage a goblin is going to do to you every single time.
2: Yeah. But that's if the goblin hits. Mm. And of course, then you have that five percent chance on every roll that's of correct. a critical. Yeah, true. And that if you're just straight up doubling it, which I do. I do acknowledge that does make crits a bit meatier and might otherwise be, but I'm okay with that. Fair enough. Uh, my next one
0: is gumshoes preparedness. Ooh, tell which, me more. Uh, uh, Kevin mentioned last week. Yep. Yeah. Uh, basically, rather than having a great big itemized list of stuff. Yeah. Um, and rather than having arguments like, well, it's obvious my character's character would have pants on. No, nah. well, it's not on your character sheet. <laughs> so rather than having that sort of conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have a preparedness score, yeah. and this can work differently in different games. Yeah, yeah. Um, but basically, it's a score which yeah. you roll on to see if you've got something. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to know whether or not you've got a lantern. It's not on your character sheet or anything. You just go, oh, I roll preparer. And it's, oh, yes, I have got a lantern.
2: Yeah. Also, you see that in Blade, uh, Blades in the Dark as well. Mm. Very, it's, a, it's a very strong mechanic. I do like it. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then you get deviations on that. Because uh-huh. um, as Kevin was describing with Gumshoe, when he uh-huh. uses that in Time Watch yeah. prepare must morph slightly into a, um, this is something I will have done. Oh yes, using a, time
2: Yeah. Tra- you know, so you <laughs> use when you stuff. have time travel, everything everything looks like a uh, what's it a, uh, a Bill and Ted
0: adventure?
2: <laughs> a, a Bill and Ted adventure, or it was a pickup truck full of bear traps. Yeah. yeah yes. <laughs> yeah. So
0: yeah. So you you get different variations on the beariness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really useful little thing if you don't want to track, you know,
2: equipment. Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I think it depends on the flavour of your game. Yeah. Um I'm super into my exploration games at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I mean I've been doing it for like the past three weeks, so I'm gonna say Pathfinder to uh the bulk rules. Mm-hmm. I really like those things. They really work for me. It just makes the you can count it all out, you can do everything, and if the players decide come across decide that they want to loot a bunch of bodies, then actually you can really quickly do it. And I like it. It's super quick, it's ten light items makes one bulk. Mm. You've got a number of it, and if it's less than that, then it's not worth counting. So, which really grasps the essentials of what an encumbrance system should be about. It's is it worth counting? I mean, I I I will acknowledge that the mouse guard system of if you can draw it, if you can draw your character carrying it, then that's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and is that what it is? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so if you can, I, I'm told. I haven't seen it myself, but. If you can draw your like a picture of your little mouse carrying that item upon its person, yeah, then you can have that on your character. Uh, I think that's just like an excuse to have lots of um excellent mouse art, and I can't really argue. It sounds very cute, Mm. Uh, and people are also very fond of slot-based systems. I actually try and stay away from those because whilst they would be effective, I feel Mm. that makes it quite computer gamey. Yeah, and it just means that how do you deal with the fact that you've got like a big old bag of chalk and so Mm. forth? How big should these be? But yeah, but you got. But I know roughly how much, like, say, a Hudson would weigh, which is between one and five pounds. Mm. So I could carry ten Hudsons upon my person. That okay. would only be one bulk. Well, he's actually four kilograms.
0: Four kilograms. Four kilograms, which is um, like eight
2: pounds. That is eight so, pounds. Uh-huh. So he's bulk one. <laughs> I'd ha- i might have to add him up to bulk two because he's very. He looks like he'd be very wriggly. Whereas Django was
0: thirty-five kilograms.
2: Right, uh, and that, that's getting on for like yo. Know, uh, bulk 2, Bulk 3 there because um, well, I, I imagine Django would probably have been quite happy for us to carry him round. Probably, yeah. yeah. He'd be like, oh, oh you're carrying me round, suckers.
0: So, so I guess that's what's happening now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is my life, I accept it. <laughs> yeah, that's Django. well yeah. uh, right, my last one yes? on my list was DCC Funnels. Dungeon Call class- classics? classics, Dungeon Christ, that's hard to say. Just Dungeon DCC. Call- <laughs> <Classics>. <laughs> Funnels <laughs>
2: Um, so tell me more about TCC funnels
0: so you start off with a whole bunch of basically zero level characters yeah and they all go on this sort of adventure and yes. most of them die and the one that you're left with at the end is the one that becomes your first level character
2: <laughs> so, so basically it's like they go through a little adventure oh I see so it's sort of funneling them down yeah so you start with four people and only one can yeah. survive
0: and then it turns out the story is about the one that survived
2: Right. Okay.
0: Which is quite a good way of just sort of like messing around with sort of you know four or five different character concepts and seeing what you end up with.
2: I I certainly I certainly can't argue with that.
0: <laughs> what else you got on there?
2: Another thing, you know what? I've just basically stolen whole parts of this stuff from Thirteenth Age. Mm, so Thirteenth yeah, Age is full
0: of stuff, right th- Full of age. So right. It's hard not to steal stuff from Thirteenth Age.
2: Oh, it's full really of good ideas. Uh, okay, so if. Well, I'll skip over the joys of static defences like M D, P D, A C. PD, AC. Um, utility spells I really do love, but they'd be hard to steal for a game. Mm. Um, well, I suppose you could maybe steal that, yeah. Um yeah. Uh, flexible attacks where you get a different uh, function happening, or depending on what number you roll on dice is. I think what I quite enjoy probably the most from Exalted 2nd Edition mm. is social attacks. Okay which is where you uh, spend some time talking to someone, trying to find out what their motivations are, mm. like what, what's, the, what's their prime drivers behind their personality, which every character should have, and then you could launch a social attack upon them, mm-hmm. and if you could uh, basically role play a speech, adding in the various different uh, motivations that they had, it you could then roll dice and see how effective mm-hmm. it would be. Which I think,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. Actually, that's quite so, fun. So I think Kevin last week was talking about, what was he calling them?
2: I can't remember his oh, terminology, right. yes. but he
0: was talking about that okay, in Swords yes. um, of the Serpentine. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, I've got them in What Sword is New, In if you have a Resolve score, as well yes. as a Health score, which is basically mm. your, your sort of mental hit points. Oh, yes, that's right. He so was you saying, can intimidate yeah. or charm people down. With you, that.
2: You could break their fighting spirit.
0: Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's a, it's a cool idea. And yeah, I've definitely, i definitely nicked that for my game, without a doubt.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um indeed and I suppose you could just literally
0: just call it psychic damage, maybe.
2: Yeah. yeah. The,
0: Mental the, damage. I think one of the... Would you, have a separate, would you have a separate pool or would you just take it off hit points?
2: One of the things that I saw was a very good idea was renaming hit points to composure. Okay. And you're like looking at me saying, what? on earth differences that make and actually it's quite a good way because it, it
0: changes the way you think about it
2: yeah yeah you, you and basically you become um uh, rather than say bloodied you become like disheveled at mm. half hit points and this can like have an effect upon uh monsters and so forth and also maybe affect yeah, that's them a if good idea i like that idea yeah and it, it just changes the way you talk about things but yeah i've got to go with like the wolf sapphire hypothesis and say actually yeah changing the way you talk about things does actually change the way you think oh, about them. Well
0: absolutely. Language definitely affects... Yeah.
2: Language affects no, no.
0: Especially, yeah Especially in terms of a role-playing game, the language that you use. Mm-hmm. People say that rules don't matter and you can do anything yeah. in any system. Yes. And while that is technically true... Yes. The best type of truth. <laughs> <laughs> while that is technically true, it totally ignores yeah. the fact... The yeah. different rules and different language affect the feel of a game. Oh, very much so. Very yeah. much so, and mm-hmm. you can't escape that fact that that does that does happen.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and yeah, it, it's just true of so many things. But yeah, okay. Well, we, I, I hope that this has been of use to some of our listeners, and certainly, I if,
0: don't. I hope it's been of no use to any of our listeners.
2: Ah, oh, Russ, you're such a comedian. And the misanthrope, they go, new words for you today. Yes, but I, I, I'm
0: pronouncing it misanthropy.
2: Well, misanthropy would be the state of being. Uh, misanthrope would practice misanthropy. <laughs> They're completely different words for us. No,
0: but we're still with the E on the
2: end. Uh, misanthrope, perhaps. <laughs> misanthrope. C. <laughs> <Si. laughs>
0: yeah, um, yeah. Well, um, next week, or, or not just next week, actually, tomorrow, mm. and I don't know when this will come out, but yes. I hope it will come out in the next week or so, Yes, we are meeting up with Kevin Cope again, Woo-hoo. and he is going to run a short one-hour Swords of the Serpentine adventure for us. I'm super looking forward to that. Because I'm one with um, Emmy Allen yes. on um,
2: the Stygian Library using S- Simply D6, the
0: Stygian Library.
2: You can't say this is disproving like the hanging Russ. But, but please, I'm wearing my glasses. He's getting the fall over yeah, the
0: top. That went really well, and lots and oh. lots of people listened to that one. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're trying it again with Kevin this week. Fantastic. And so uh, we're, we're, we're trying to keep them down to about an hour so yeah. you don't have to like take four hours of your time out and listen to the. You
2: know,
0: <laughs> it's literally an hour. And at the yeah. end of the hour, if we're in the middle of something, we'll cut it off, you know, yeah. and it'll just be a cliffhanger or something. But.
2: Well, we shall shall try our best. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah.
0: And we'll see how that goes. If that one gets listened to a lot again, that might be something we'll start doing more regularly, I think.
2: Oh, I should get my character voice ready.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you've decided your character, roughly. Yes, yes, I have. Uh, Mine is going to be a sorcerer, insect fiend. Oh, nice. Who I'm hoping your character finds a bit gross. Oh, yes, I'm sure I'll
2: find him very gross, my pretty.
0: And he's also very, very full of insect-based
2: facts. Oh, insect-based facts. And he's well, going to
0: continually lecture you
2: on. Oh, choose a font of all knowledge.
0: <laughs> so that should
2: be fun, yeah. Yes, I'm sure it will be. Yeah.
0: So we're recording that tomorrow. And yeah. I don't know when it'll be out. Hopefully later this
2: week, we'll see. No, anything? Okay, so um, I think we may be finished. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. well, I just want to sort of say quickly our Pathfinder yes. episode.
2: Well speak it. Say it faster. By far, yes.
0: The yes most. You you say say it faster.
2: Yes, the you said you was going to say quickly most. Every time you mention Pathfinder,
0: listened.
2: You go really slowly. To like last week when you're doing the news
0: episode. Yes. Of the past week. Ah. The past month. Podcast. The past year. Ever.
2: Wow. So the past <laughs> sixty one weeks.
0: Well at least, you know, in its in its first week because it hasn't had its full run yet. No, no, indeed. So it's still going up. But oh, okay. uh, um in its first week it had the best first week of any episode of our podcast ever. Oh that's right. Which was rather awesome, I thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So lots of people wanted to hear
2: us listening uh, talking about Pathfinder 2, apparently. Oh, I suppose we should probably talk more about Pathfinder too if you're interested. I mean, let us know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and I think you've got a new You had en 5 Ida or Insider, Insider. as you insist on pronouncing it. That's clearly not how it's written. (laughs) (laughs) But you've got a new thing started on the old uh, Patreon trail. Have I? Yes, Trail Seekers.
0: Oh, that was an old thing. Is that an old thing? Yeah, Trail Seekers have been going on for the same length of time as Insider. They were both launched at the same time.
2: Okay, so we'll just add this to the list of things that Russ in no way bothers mentioning on his podcast. So, so
0: inside is the D and D fifth edition one. Chelsea yep. is the Pathfinder one. Yeah, the new thing you're thinking about is yep. now Chelsea is covering second edition Pathfinder stuff rather than oh, first
2: edition. I see. Is it because that was literally the first time I'd heard of it? Okay. <laughs> Well, there You go, yes, truly, you're a genius at self publicizing yourself.
0: Patreon.com forward slash travel seeker. You know, the problem is because I do so much stuff, yes. That if I just like listed everything I did every time, it would just take up the entire podcast. Well, maybe we should do like a podcast <laughs> listing all the stuff you've
2: done, it yeah. might be relevant to the subject, yeah. No, I do so, yeah. so, so, so bloody many things.
0: It's uh, at the moment, the last week, I just yeah. spent going doing this whole upgrade of the site, of course, which yeah. is another one of the things that I have to do,
2: yeah, indeed, yeah. It's a uh, it's a lot of things that you do. Yes, so, yeah. good yeah. work.
0: So yeah, yeah. So Trailseeker um patreon.com forward slash Trailseeker is Pathfinder Two material.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, our promises to be very exciting. Lots of adventure modules and NPCs and all sorts of shenanigans. Yeah. So
0: there's four free ones, f- yeah. four free Pathfinder Two things on there already. Fantastic. One of which is a short adventure called I think it's Ooh. called Mama Bear's Revenge.
2: Mama Bear's Revenge. Yeah.
0: So there's uh, and there's one with some new backgrounds and uh, you know bits and pieces. So there's four free things on there already just to get you started.
2: Yeah. That, that does sound very exciting. They're get, getting in the head of a uh, Pathfinder themselves, you know. Come on, Peso, keep up.
0: <laughs> well, I think they <laughs> did manage to slip that little rule book out. <laughs> oh,
2: yes, I suppose. Six and the Monster the Manual, the bestiary,
0: yeah. and the first part of an adventure path, and a standalone adventure, and some cards. And <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Trollseekers, keep up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that, that launched. I guess. I guess we're done then for the week. Oh, how disappointing! On Morris's unofficial tabletop puppy talk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much
0: puppy stuff will make it in, and how much will end up in the in the in the, in the special Patreon-only episode. But we'll
2: see. Do you like role-playing games? Do you like puppies? <laughs> and listen to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk.
0: What sort of monster doesn't like puppies? Wolf, woof. At least he's settled down now. Yes.
2: Yeah. Complete with ear-shattering puppy squeaks. Yes. Truly, it's the best of days.
0: Yeah, well, should we sign off then? I think we should. Thank everybody for listening. It has been an absolute pleasure, as always. That's my line. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why I said it. <laughs> you have to come up with another one now. <laughs> uh, uh, I've
2: just been transported with delight and um, deliriums and euphoria. I thought
0: you were delirious. <laughs>
2: But I must be to keep on coming here. Don't I? <laughs> I don't know why I do it, listeners. Yeah.
0: I would say until next week, but it might be before next week because we're doing the actual plaything. Yes. So possibly before next week, maybe next week, maybe before next week. Who knows? It'll be a surprise to you and to us.
2: And probably to us, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely <laughs> to us. We will be surprised.
0: <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. You'll hear from us whenever that is.
2: Okay. So um, that's uh, goodbye from him and goodbye from me. I'm not going anything now because he said it
1: for me. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo! Off you go. Goodbye.
2: Get out of here.